This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello, my friends. It's Jeremy Myers once again with the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher for this podcast. And as we look towards Easter and celebrating the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, primarily the resurrection, I decided to do several episodes this week, next week, and then maybe even after Easter uh, as we look towards Pentecost and that sort of uh, holidays, just do several episodes about the death of Jesus and specifically what we learn about ourselves and about God through the death of Jesus, primarily as it refers to the violence of God and especially the violence of Scripture. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever wondered why the Bible is so violent? Lots of people think that the violence of the Bible reveals that God is violent. I am not convinced. In fact, I don't think that's what's going on at all. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. In fact, we are going to see what Jesus says about how to read all the violent passages from Scripture. So make sure you stick around and listen to that. Now, before we do that, I want to invite you to subscribe to a new podcast. It's the Halfway There podcast. It's not mine, but it was a podcast. It's a podcast by Eric Nevins, and Eric recently interviewed me for his podcast. We had a great conversation about my journey out of religion and what I discovered along the way about God's love and faithfulness. I think that if you're struggling with church, how to do church, what God is like, uh, even some hard questions like whether God even loves you, forgives you, maybe even whether or not God is even there, if God even exists, I think that my story will be helpful and encouraging to you. So uh, you can listen to the podcast just by visiting Eric's uh, blog. Go to Eric Nevins, E-R-I-C, N-I-V-I-N-S, ericnevins.com slash 082. It was episode number 82, and uh, you can listen to it there. Otherwise, you can just subscribe to his podcast by searching for the Halfway There podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you prefer. All right. Uh, By the way, if you have an interview-style podcast and would like to interview me, talk with me, we could chat for your podcast. I'm always, always open to that. Just contact me through my website at uh, redeeminggod.com. Okay? So with that in mind, let's dive into our study of why the Bible is so bloody and violent. So lots of people wonder why the Bible is so bloody. Now, why there's so much violence and bloodshed in the Bible. And by the way, I'm going to provide a brief explanation in this podcast episode. But if you want a more detailed explanation, you can read my book, which is titled Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Uh, it does go into a lot more detail, a, a longer explanation for why the Bible is so violent and bloody and what we can learn from it, especially from the blood shed by Jesus on the cross. And speaking of which, as we get into Easter, that book is number one in a lot of bestseller lists on Amazon this week, and I imagine that will continue on to next week, so that's pretty exciting. But I think you'll benefit from that. Now, um, the thing is, is many Christians often condemn the Quran, you know, the Muslim holy book, the Muslim Quran, for being a violent book. 
And uh, we say, because the Quran is so violent, that's why Muslims are so violent. But do you know that the Bible is far more violent than the Quran? And it's not just descriptions of violence, uh, you know, like we might find in a history book or something. There are actually more endorsements, more commands to commit violence uh, by God, given by God, in the Bible than there are in the Quran. Okay, now, uh, many Christians rightly point out that, oh yeah, but that's the Old Testament. Uh, We have a new way through Jesus, a way of love and forgiveness. And I 100% agree with that, okay? But then what often happens is some of these Christians turn around, and I used to do this myself, turn around and say, you know, but yes, Jesus in his life and ministry, he showed us a way of love and forgiveness. But in the future, you sinners, you better watch out because Jesus is coming again and he's going to come with vengeance and violence and there's going to be bloodshed and slaughter unlike anything the world has ever seen. In fact, at the Battle of Armageddon, Megiddo, in the Valley of Megiddo there, uh, the blood will rise up to the horse's bridle, as it says in the book of Revelation. It's going to be just a lake of blood, right? And, and so uh, that's what's coming down the road. And so again, <laughs> uh, we say that Jesus came in love and forgiveness with grace and mercy and peace, but in the future, he's going to be more violent and bloody than anything we've ever seen. And so uh, we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus violent and bloody or not? You know, are we saying that, that God, in the Old Testament, he was violent and bloody. And then Jesus showed up, and he gave love and forgiveness a try. Uh, but in the end, even Jesus realizes that love and forgiveness doesn't work, and so violence and bloodshed is the only solution after all? I mean, is that, is that what we're arguing when we go that route? When we say that Jesus showed up with love and, and, and mercy and forgiveness is his first coming, but his second coming, it's going to be full of wrath and vengeance and bloodshed. You know, Jesus gave love, that whole love and forgiveness thing, a try. But in the end, the only way to get rid of sinners and and evildoers and wicked people is to kill them. (laughs) That's sort of how people understand Jesus. And I think there is something terribly wrong with that way of reading the Bible. And by the way, when people read the Bible that way, uh, that gives them justification to act violently, to become violent themselves. Greg Boyd often says that, Uh, We become like the God we worship. And I agree. If we worship a God who is violent at heart and bloody, you know, even though he tries love and forgiveness every now and then, he ultimately resorts to violence and bloodshed. If we worship a God like that, then that is how we will tend to act towards other people. That's why you might sometimes hear people say, well... We tried to love and forgive. We declared love and forgiveness to those people over there, those sinners, those, you know, pagans in that other country, those evildoers. We, we, we told them about God's love, but they didn't accept it. They didn't change. They didn't repent. So now <laughs> we're going to drop bombs on them or something like that. Okay. I had a Facebook messenger, um, a, a, a chat with a guy on Facebook messenger just last week. And he told me that um, he has an atheist who he hates. And I said, you hate him? Why do you hate him? (laughs) And his answer was, uh, because I told him about God and he didn't accept God. So I hate him. Like, well, I think a better response would just be to love this person like Jesus rather than hate him because he didn't accept God. I mean, now that you've turned around and hated this guy, uh, that's not going to encourage him to accept God either. So it was an interesting conversation, but it just reminded me of this tendency we sometimes have. 
You know, well, God tried love and forgiveness in Jesus, uh, but when that doesn't work, he's going to resort to violence and bloodshed in the end. And so we feel like we can do that as well. All right? So look. Um, and look, if that's the way God is, let's just put it out there. If that's truly the way God is, then, uh, yeah, he is giving us permission to one degree or another to imitate him, follow his example, do what he did, and treat other people like that. However, I do not believe that is the way God is. All right? I do not believe that God is hateful, that God is angry, violent, or bloody. Quite the opposite. I believe that Jesus reveals that God is not violent at all. I believe that Jesus shows us perfectly what God is like. And that God has always been just like Jesus. Just like what Jesus reveals to us in the Gospels. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right? And then Paul, in Colossians 1.15, writes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Even the author of Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 1.3, says that Jesus is the exact representation of God, the express image of his person. All right, so look, when Jesus, Paul, and the author of Hebrews, whoever that was, when they're teaching these things, all right, when they're talking about, you know, how Jesus uh, lived his life and, and performed his ministry, all right, uh, you know, as recorded in the Gospels, we have to ask ourselves, are Jesus, Paul, and the author of Hebrews telling the truth, or are they not? Did Jesus really reveal God to us, or is there some dark, hidden, violent, bloody side of God that Jesus didn't reveal to us? I mean, those are really your only two options. If we believe Jesus, Paul, and the author of Hebrews are telling the truth, and I think they are, all right, then we're forced with the decision. <laughs> um, we either need to decide that Jesus was hiding part of God, you know, the violent side of God. Uh, but if that's the case, then I would say that Jesus wasn't actually revealing to us the full and perfect image of God. Right? And therefore, Jesus, Paul, and the author of Hebrews aren't telling us the full truth. It's a little white lie. Do we believe Jesus tells white lies? I don't. Paul, the author of Hebrews, I don't. Okay? I believe what they say, that Jesus perfectly reveals God to us. And Jesus was not violently bloody. He didn't engage in violent uh, acts of violence and bloodshed anywhere in the Gospels, and so God doesn't either. But if that's the case, <laughs> then we need to figure out what to do with all the violent portions of the Bible, right? All that bloodshed and violence in the Old Testament, and even all the bloodshed and violence in the book of Revelation. If we believe that Jesus is telling the truth, and so is Paul and the author of Hebrews, and that's what I believe, then that means we need to figure out why the Bible is so violent. We need to figure out why the Bible contains so much bloodshed. Why God apparently commands so much violence and bloodshed in the Old Testament. And uh, frankly, lots of people say, well, it's just error. I I'm not willing to go that route. I do not believe uh, that the Bible is full of errors that way, okay? I believe that the Bible is inspired and inerrant, and so therefore it reveals, we need to figure out what it is revealing, why the Bible is so bloody and violent. Thankfully, we don't have to figure this out on our own. Jesus himself tells us 
why the Bible is so violent. Now, he does this in numerous ways throughout his life and ministry, through his teachings, through some of his parables, obviously through his actions, uh, uh, and definitely through his death and crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, uh, which we'll be talking about more in future episodes. Uh, But, look, one of the clearest places, or one of, maybe not the clearest, one of the initial places uh, in, in the Gospels, where Jesus tells us why the Bible is so violent, is Matthew 23, 29 to 35. This is one of the key texts that explains, where Jesus explains to us why the Bible is so violent. So Jesus says this, uh, he, he's speaking to some of the religious leaders in his day, and he says, you say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. All right, so what's going on in this verse? Uh, In this passage, Jesus is basically providing a summary of how he reads and understands the Old Testament. Uh, We could say that this verse, this passage, Matthew 23, 29 to 35, is uh, the Old Testament according to Jesus, (laughs) okay? Uh, And according to Jesus, the Bible is filled from Abel to Zechariah, from A to Z, The Bible is filled with violence and bloodshed. And according to Jesus, uh, we we could say the Hebrew Scriptures is primarily a revelation about bloodshed, about violence. That's what Jesus is saying here. All right? Um, These texts, from Abel to Zechariah, Abel is one of the earliest stories in the Hebrew scriptures, and the story of Zechariah being killed is one of the oldest, one of the latest, um, one of the ones at the end. Not not the way our English Bibles are arranged, but the way they were arranged in the Hebrew scriptures, the way the the Bible Jesus read, the way he read it, uh, and, and the people at his time. And what Jesus is saying is from beginning to end, the Bible reveals bloodshed and violence, all right? And um, they reveal what the origins of bloodshed are, how the sacrificial uh, religion is often at the root of bloodshed, and really how human beings kill others in the name of God. All right, all this talk about here about killing and crucifying them, scourging them in your synagogues, okay? Uh, The synagogues were the places of worship. Uh, The the mention there at the end about uh, between the temple and the altar, how the temple and the altar were the sources and, and places of a lot of this violence being taken place. All right, and uh, so they reveal all of this bloodshed. All right, and notice though what Jesus says that it's not just evil sinners who are killed in the name of God, but Jesus says it's the righteous, righteous Abel, righteous Zechariah, the prophets, the wise men, the scribes, the people sent from God. It is they who are killed by the people of God. And notice that beyond this, Jesus says that the people in his day are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, The violent murdering of others in God's name, what Jesus is saying here, is that the violent murdering of others in God's name is the constant human sin 
of every culture and every generation. But notice this. No generation thinks they themselves are guilty of it. Okay, The people in Jesus' day said, oh, if we had lived in the days of the prophets, we wouldn't have participated in killing the prophets. But what did the people in Jesus' day do? <laughs> they killed the greatest prophet of all, the Son of God, God incarnate. They killed Jesus. We today, we say, oh, if we had lived in the days of Jesus, we wouldn't have participated in killing Jesus. But do you think that's true? I mean, ask yourself, if you lived in the days of Jesus, would you be among those who cried out for his arrest and crucifixion? Probably don't think so. You probably think, as I do, oh no, we would be among those who stood faithfully at his side and wept for him as he bled and died. <laughs> According to the gospel accounts, there was only three of those. Everybody else had abandoned him, forsaken him, cried out for his arrest, crucifixion. So we shouldn't be too hasty to answer. And in Matthew 23, 29 to 35, Jesus is saying that the religious people who claim they would not have killed the prophets, would not have participated in murdering the prophets, they are the same people who plan and kill the prophets of their own day, the innocent and righteous prophets of their own day. Makes us wonder about us today as well and what Jesus is teaching here. Notice in the context, Jesus clearly equates blood with murder and violence, especially the bloodshed that is religiously motivated. And so, when the Bible speaks about blood in this way, it's, it's not just this red liquid that runs in our veins. It's really uh, this, this sacrificial religious bloodshed violence all right, that, that is related to murdering others in God's name. All right? Uh, and, and so, this is the shocking truth that Jesus is revealing here. He's saying the whole Bible is about bloodshed and violence and murdering righteous people in the name of God saying, God wants me to kill you because you're some blasphemer, some evil, wicked sinner, and it's righteous and holy for me to kill you. But each generation looks to the past and says, oh, they made some mistakes. They killed the wrong people. If we had lived back then, we wouldn't do that. Today, we know better. So we only kill evil sinners, blasphemers, idolaters, wicked people. <laughs> And then later generations look back and say the exact same thing. That tells us how to read the Old Testament. And really, how to read the events of our own time and our own culture and what's going on in our own lives. All right? The human condition, uh, the human tendency is to side with the mob and call for the death of an innocent, righteous victim. We've always been doing this. We always have done this. The religious people in Jesus' day claimed they wouldn't have participated in the killing of the prophets, right? But it is they who led the charge in accusing, condemning, and killing Jesus. And so, likewise, today. And the only way we can see this is by looking to the past, looking to the violent and bloody portions of Scripture seeing what they did, and then 
seeing that we do the exact same thing today. All right? The Bible, the violent and bloody portions of the Bible, according to Jesus, serve as a mirror of our own heart. They reveal to us what we humans do, what we have always been doing. And as long as we reject it and deny it and say, oh, no, if I had lived back then, I wouldn't have done that because I don't do that today. As long as we do that, or as James talks about in James 1, we're like the man who looks at his face in the mirror and then goes away forgetting what he looks like. The Bible is written to reveal to us what we look like. And if we look at it and say, no, that's not me, that blemish isn't mine, <laughs> then we are not reading the Bible properly. All right, the proper response to all the bloodshed in the Bible, don't try to explain it away. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to say, well, God is righteous and he can do what he wants, even if it's killing and murdering and slaughtering genocide people, people groups, okay, they deserved it, they brought them on. No, that's justifying it. That's rationalizing it. That's trying to explain it away. Instead, act as if you had read about this bloodshed and violence in the newspaper today. How would you react? You would be revulsed. You would be repulsed. You would condemn it. Do the same thing in Scripture. You can condemn that violence. Right? And then you can seek to change the way you yourself live so that you don't participate in that sort of violence as well. Jesus, in Matthew 23, Jesus says that the Bible is violent and bloody because it reveals what we ourselves have been doing throughout history and what we are doing in our own day. Jesus says the Bible is violent and bloody, not so that we can condemn people of the past for making mistakes, killing the wrong people, but so that we ourselves can avoid participating in the same exact bloodshed and violence today. All right, look at this. Jesus says that the Bible is violent and bloody, not because it reveals what God is like, Right? Only Jesus reveals to us what God is like, and Jesus is not violent in any way. So the Bible is not violent and bloody because it reveals what God is like. Only Jesus reveals what God is like. Why is the Bible violent and bloody then? Because it reveals what you and I are like. What we humans are like. The Old Testament does not so much reveal God to us as it reveals us to us. It reveals mankind, humanity to us. The bloody passages of the Old Testament provide a better glimpse into the heart of mankind than they do the heart of God. And that, according to Jesus, is how to read the violent portions of the Bible. Yes, turn away from them in revulsion. All right? <laughs> so that we can also turn away from similar violent tendencies in our own heart. As long as we try to rationalize and justify the violence of the Bible, we will also try to rationalize and justify the violence that is in our own heart. But when we turn away and reject the violence and bloodshed of the Bible, it is then that we will be training ourselves not only to see, but also to turn away from the violence and bloodshed in our own hearts. 
All right, until we read the Bible this way, we will forever be confused about why there's so much bloodshed and violence in the Bible. But once we learn to read the Bible through this lens, right, once we see that the Bible reveals man to us, humanity to us, so that Jesus Christ could not only reveal God to us, but also reveal to us what we humans are supposed to be like, it is then that we will start to live like God, live like Jesus, and love others like Jesus, rejecting all bloodshed and violence, and actually seeing ourselves in the pages of Scripture so that we can fix what is wrong with humanity and show the world a better way, a way truly based on love and forgiveness through Jesus. Look, through Jesus' death on the cross, he willingly submitted himself to the violent death of ritualistic, religious, political sacrifice. Why? So that he could reveal to us that this is what we have always been doing, and then call us to a different way of living. Jesus died this way to save us, literally, truly save us from sin and death and the devil, the accuser, and sacrifice, all of which have enslaved humanity since the foundation of the world. All right? Jesus died not to affirm and reinforce the idea that God is bloody, that God needs blood sacrifice before he can love us and forgive us again. No, Jesus died to unveil and expose the truth about bloodshed and violence, that it is Not God who wants these things, but we. It's we humans who want bloodshed and violence, not God. Now, uh, by letting us kill him in such a violent and bloody way, Jesus revealed the truth and so calls us to turn away from it. Jesus revealed all this bloodshed has nothing to do with God, but instead has everything to do with mankind and an invitation to turn away from it. Jesus fully exposed and unveiled the mystery of bloodshed and violence, where it comes from, not from God, but from our own hearts. And then he reveals to us how to live. Don't make sacrifice scapegoat victims any longer. Don't condemn and accuse. The devil does that. He is the accuser. He is the one who steals and murders and kills and destroys, not God. So let's follow God truly into the way of love, self-sacrifice and forgiveness rather than the way of accusing, condemning, killing, and murdering in God's name. The way we see so many people have done in our own time and in recent history, and yes, even in the pages of Scripture. Look, life doesn't come through the death of others, but through the death of self for the sake of others. And the blood of Jesus teaches that While we humans seek death, God seeks life. And so the life of God is in us. And because of that, we will stop seeking the death of others. I hope that makes sense. Hope that sort of guides you and encourages you to start reading the Bible in a different light. And yes, I know, as you've been listening to this, probably... Dozens of Bible passages from the Old Testament and New Testament have popped up. What about this? What about that? What about Hebrews 9.22? What about Ephesians? What about Romans 3, right? Okay, I'll, I'll try to talk about some of these, podca- uh, some of these uh, passages in future podcast episodes, so make sure you join me then. 
If you just can't wait, though, I do recommend you get a copy of my book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. I do deal with dozens of these Bible passages in that book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. You can also, if you'd like to, uh, take my online course, The Gospel Dictionary, which also looks at hundreds of these sorts of passages uh, and many others related to the gospel uh, throughout the scriptures. And uh, by the way, that course is $297. Don't pay that. Join my online discipleship group and you can take the course for free. And uh, you can learn more about the online discipleship group and even join by going to redeeminggod.com slash join. Anyway, hopefully this was helpful to you. In the next study, we will look at another text or two. We'll probably look at some from uh, Paul, maybe uh, Romans 3 or Ephesians 1 or something, where um, he talks about the blood of Jesus and what it does for us as well and how it solves the problem of sin and death. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week when we look at one of these other passages. Bye for now. Bye for now.